Everybody, welcome into a special edition of the Daily Energy Newsbeat Stand Up here on this gorgeous Saturday, November 11th, 2023. As always, I'm your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. We got a great show for you guys lined up, our weekly recap where we segment and, and go over our top segments from the week before. Man, a big week, Stu. A lot of EV stuff we covered. Oh, it was it was an absolute hoot. Talk about being on a roller coaster. Uh, uh, you know, when you, you and I were laughing and we loved the new Dodge Ram that was coming out, that, that you're going to have a, a six-cylinder internal combustion engine, and it's, it's not connected to the drivetrain. And all of a sudden, you're going to drive down the road with this thing like a World War II submarine and a snorkel on this truck. Do you know how heavy that truck is going to be? Yeah, it's going to it's 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 going to be absolutely <laughs> insane. You can hear this and all the stories coming up. Um, but before we do that and kick it over to the weekly recap, guys, again, all the stories you are about to hear, courtesy of that world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. Hit the description below to see all of the links. Follow us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, at Energy Newsbeat on YouTube. If I was a 16-year-old YouTuber, I'd say smash that like button. But I will avoid doing that and say that's the best way to support the show, dashboard.energynewsbeat.com. I'm out of breath, though, Stu. Let's kick it up for the weekly recap. We'll see you on Monday, folks. Do wind project cancellations signal peak subsidy has been reached? Will the IEA even admit the issue? Michael, we just, we got to love the IEA. They're over there saying that oil's still dead. I've reached out well, to uh, them to try to jump on the leadership to jump on the podcast and their advisors. So we'll keep you posted. But they, they agreed, were, but we got the time change switch. I mean, they're so bad they couldn't even get the time change right. So we'll 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 try. Yeah, we'll work on it. They never mind. Okay. When we sit back and take a look, Orsted, this is all predicated on Orsted down here in the, one of his paragraphs down here. He, uh Orsted's not the only wind developer taking write downs. Uh Reuters reports that uh, two big oil companies who have invested in Biden's offshore, the UK giant BP and uh, Norway's Equinor took 540 and 300 million. So even oil companies can't do it right. But what oil companies had was they had income from the oil and the gas that Orsted did not have. And so Orsted's about ready to just totally, you know, get hit in the back of the head. They can't even uh, keep going. Now, there is article after article and in our trends on energynewsbeat.com. We are seeing lots of trends of people can canceling uh, everything. I mean, it's just they can't support uh, oil. I mean, wind, offshore wind, especially. Yeah, so, I mean, offshore wind is has the very has some of the same economics as what I would say large scale. You know, you know, I would say shale development, exploratory shale development. And the problem is there's not a legitimate market to somewhat to sometimes sell these, you know, sell your distribution into the market. So it's pretty funny. It's the same stuff that happened in, in 2012 and in tw through 2014 with all these crazy shale right. companies taking up billions of dollars, making no money and investing billions of dollars into drilling new wells that, oops, maybe don't pay the bills. So uh, you're right. With, with Without oil and gas, Equinor and BP 
they'd be sunk too. Luckily, they do have a little bit of oil and gas in their business. And and the percentage, Michael, that are in the story, go read the story as well later on. But they had the percentage without oil and gas, they'd be dead meat. The House panel in the U.S. And, and to answer your your question, I think you're going to have to see some regulatory stuff lighten up. It's been teed up. We've talked about it, but the House panel advances raft or draft of pro-nuclear. I'll have to talk to the knucklehead that put that out there of pro-nuclear bills. Jeff Duncan, Representative Jeff Duncan, uh, I've reached out to him to see if I can get him on the, the panel to talk about this on the podcast. But there are some really cool ones that he's put out here. Let's get you a real big, quick quote in here. Our shared goal in this committee is to advance bipartisan, durable policy that will expand nuclear energy and its benefits to the nation. Uh, He's the chair of the ENC's Energy, Climate, and Grid Security Subcommittee. That's pretty darn cool. All right, let's go through some of these. The Advanced Reactor Free Reduction Act, fee reduction. So that the they can uh, reduce the hourly rate for the address collected by the NRC and applicants for advanced reactor licenses. Then you have the target awards to cover fees for the NRC, National Nuclear Reactor. And then we have the preparation site for the brownfield. There's some good stuff in here. Modernization of the Nuclear Reactor Environmental Reviews Act to submit a report and conduct rulemaking to facilitate efficiency. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah, the government inefficiency, though, that's two words that you just got to put the word not in front of them. It's the first stuff I've seen that they've even tried. That's a good point. Okay. Good point. I am so thrilled to talk about legislative processes that don't involve Trump or uh, Biden falling asleep or falling off of Air Force One. I was pretty did you pleased. You see, uh, uh, speaking of uh, falling down uh, some stairs, the our favorite governor is trying to imitate Biden. He fell down earlier last week. He fell down. Oh, he, he wasn't imitating. It was in solidarity. That was his Biden <laughs> solidarity move. He felt that his back was not lumpy enough, so he he just did the nose back dive off of that. So about a 10. So is there anything in here that pushes the regulatory process forward? Is there any one of these bills? Because Uh, I'm I'm going to have to go get copies of them. I'll go get copies of them and and find out the key. We've got 25 different things they announced. The first thing should have been, we're just going to cut the red tape on uh, permitting because that's really the issue, in my opinion, with all this stuff. Not that the technology doesn't need to, to advance. Obviously, we need the technology, but we have to understand that when, you know, if, if we can get licenses quicker, and that's specifically, you talk about that License Efficiency Act, that's hopefully going to solve it. The problem is there's a lot of other councils that have to go around it. So if hopefully there's enough meat on that Nuclear Licensing Efficiency Act, which they, you know, they... What's you know not IR guy of the week here? What it, the IR guy of the week should have put that one up front. It's about seven down in this list of eighteen. So we need to. That should have been the first thing we talked about. But if there's no meat on that bone, then I give up because that's really critical. And I think in my and in my opinion, where the, all of this legislation needs to start is literally getting the legislator out of the way. Right. I'll tell you. You know, when you sit back and take a look, that's what all of this is the thread, the underlying hidden thread between all these articles. People are tired. 
People are tired. And if you're an elected fish official, unless you're cheating, uh, people are getting grumpy and you're going to get voted out of office because of high cost of energy. Regulatory being redone is part of the high cost. And there's a of few energy. in here. You've got the modernized the nuclear reactor environmental reviews, which speeds up the NEPA process, which, you know, if you come from the mining business or you come from large infrastructure, you know that NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, which is you know, one of the larger pieces of environmental legislation out there for good reason. It does a, it does some good stuff. The problem is, especially in the mining business, a NEPA review could be a thousand page document that you have to submit and could take five years. So I'm glad that's in there. Again, they're pitching this all wrong. They need to throw the legislation and the regulatory stuff higher, if only because that's where the, all of the issues come. Yes, we know we need to have this global oh. nuclear energy assessment and cooperation. Nobody cares about that. Cut the red oh. tape. Let me ask this, okay? And I'm just asking, okay? The Inflation Reduction Act absolutely did not do that. In fact, as you've heard me say, the Dan Bongino, it's the Perculus bill. Do you think that they're learning that you quick look and you call it something else, throw them in here, and then that way they might get it passed? It's I don't even know. I don't know. I mean, how much of this will actually get passed? I don't know. It'll be interesting. Hopefully we can create some bipartisan bipartisan consensus around this because we really need it. We do. And we all need uh, to get rid of energy poverty in the U.S. Absolutely. That's what we've been on. (laughs) Southeast Asia, LNG investments predicted to peak by 2040. So we have a peaker here on the show. He just happened to walk in. I think it was Jerry Nadler's. He was walking off stage more natural gas that was funny by the way uh, more natural gas facilities will be firing in southeast asia in more than two decades that is just nuts here comes if allowed to continue the expanded lng uh stands to thwart efforts to keep global warming below 1.5 growing investment in lng by the philippines vietnam and other southeast asians will not only help push the world further beyond this critical target people don't understand that the only successful markets that will be rolling will be the Asian markets because they're going to continue to use low cost uh, energy and they're going to actually have lower input imprint than using renewables. Look at this, Michael. The Philippines received a shipment in April to fuel a 1,200 megawatt power plant Uh, even though through its declining uh, reserves in the natural gas field, the LNG is saving Asia. Yep. Well, Uh, because it's, it's, it provides again, that baseload energy that people so desperately need specifically where you're in um, a a part of the world where access to low cost energy can drastically improve your standard of living. You know, I think it's interesting, Kurt Metzger, he's the energy transition director um, for that Asian research Council. He said Southeast Asia's limited legacy LNG infrastructure makes the pivot to low carbon power sources a viable option compared to investing in new LNG infrastructure. So I think what they're attempting to do is say, since they don't have any LNG, we might as well go build some unprofitable wind and solar. So we know where that'll end up. Oh, absolutely. It'll be back into Germany uh, shooting themselves in the foot and, you know, providing some extra shoes for them to eat in the winter. Following BP's exit, 
operatorship of giant gas uh, discoveries changes hands as U.S. player takes the reins. Mm-hmm. I really like this one. Um, and, and Cosmos is the, um, I believe, Dallas-based uh, energy firm that's taking over for this. And I was looking around on their website today, and they are uh, a offshore firm. Do you know much about them? I mean, I know a little bit about Cosmos. I know the fact that, you know, they're 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 what I would call a cash flow style company, which means they're going to live and die off cash flow. And if they're going in and acquiring this 90% working interest, specifically in this gas field, it means right. they plan to produce the heck out of this 25 trillion cubic feet that they've got. So I think it's an interesting move. I, I you know, from BP, it probably is more of a consolidation of their assets to the Gulf of Mexico versus a, you know, a move that maybe makes operational or economic sense. We know they've been pulling off um, wind farm. This is probably a shift away from heavy natural gas wind assets specifically to be able to invest more, um, in their oil business. Um, but but, you know, be interesting to see how this goes, you know, these large projects, you won't know if this is a good deal or not for two, three years, but in two, three years, it'll be obvious whether or not it's a good deal. And we'll be able to look back and see if that, that 25 trillion cubic feet is actually a legitimate number. Yeah, that field, the uh, Yakar Tangara uh, gas field, uh, he they got ninety percent working interest in that bad dog. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. They can they, they'll be able to crank it up. I'm gonna reach out to uh, Andrew in, uh, English and see if I can get him on the podcast. That would be a really good one to visit with. See what his thoughts it, are on it. It would. You want to talk about people in the forefront of energy security? Right there, baby. Uh, Sinopic. Colossal LNG tank bolsters, winter supply, 541 million gallons. Okay, this is China's petroleum and chemical. Oh, wait a minute. Hunter's still on the board. Sorry about that. Uh, This is actually in China. So uh, China Petroleum and Chemical Corporation, Sinopec, uh, achieved a big, big run. They put into service the largest LNG storage tank at their uh, King Lingo LNG receiving. That thing is huge. Uh, We need one to take a bath in, dude. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's a sign that China knows that there could be a coming global energy shortage and they're just doing what they always do, playing the 10, 15, 20 year long game. Yeah, it's they, they, they again, this investment signifies their stance to make sure that they have access to cheap energy, regardless and, of what happens. And they specifically and, said this is providing a reliable supply to approximately 2.1 million households for the next five months. The company claimed in a press release. Exactly. Now, in Qatar and uh, Sinopic, uh, Sinopic number two, they just signed a 27-year contract for delivery of 3 million tons per year. Wow. Of LNG. So not insane. We are not only left out of the future energy mix. I'll tell you that much. Now, is that a bad thing? I don't know, because we would love to be self-sufficient here. We could be self-sufficient, but it is interesting. We are being left behind when it comes to the global energy landscape. Oh, we are. And, um, you know, so here is the world's biggest re- uh, renewable uh, manufacturer of gear going with LNG with the world's largest storage and then the longest contract. <laughs> But right, we're moving to wind. Don't worry. Stellantis' new Ram pickup is an EV with a gas-powered generator in case the battery runs out. Now, I'm going to laugh for a half a second 
<laughs> but this is actually kind of cool. I Count me in on this one, and I'll tell you why for a little bit and then a yes, no. Okay. The truck can operate as a zero emissions EV until the battery dies in an electric onboard generator powered by a 3.6 liter V6 engine kicks on to power the vehicle after its initial charge. Here's the thing. It's like an old World War II uh, submarine. The electric batteries drive the engine. So you get that fast takeoff. You get all that. But the problem is your gas and then the range on these things was crazy. The range on it could go down. 690 miles. Yeah. I was like, man, this is kind of good. And the torque would be great for towing. The problem is the behemoth is going to weigh more than some of my college dates. I mean, this is going to be nuts. <laughs> hey, I went to Oklahoma State. They, you, if you had, you know, you went out to the dairy barn and, you know, hey. <laughs> wait, wait, this is hilarious, though. So a couple things here, Stu. Stellantis what? estimates that that range of the Ram charge will be up to 960 miles. Not terrible. But only 145 miles of that is supposed to be powered by the 92 kilowatt hour battery when fully charged without the rest. So only 145 of those miles we can contribute to the battery. What I love about this is they're calling it an EV. Wait, wait, isn't this a hybrid? Isn't this really a hybrid vehicle? It, by definition. From the top of our lungs that hybrid is probably the way the place where cars should go. Maybe this means, remember Toyota two years ago, they didn't get into the EV space. Right. What did they do? They went in with the hybrid. I think this is the first step from Stellantis, who again owns Chrysler and GM. So when you hear Stellantis, right. think GM, Dodge, Chrysler, all that jazz, they're dipping their toe into the hybrid space. I are guy of the week on this one because this is it's, a sleight of hand, in my opinion. There's there's about 16 sleight of hands over here. And that is very, very good for them. Do, 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 do. Uh, they're, they're going after all tax incentives that they can because from a technical standpoint, it meets an electric EV. Yep. And but yet you're going to get people like me that are going, hey, I got to drive a thousand miles to the office. You know, it's an you electric can't vehicle, but you've got six mice in the backseat losing their mind on a treadmill to power the thing. So, oh, we'll absolutely. But then you sit back and it will power a house. So now you can burn your I wonder if they're going to have this in a diesel model so that I can get me a diesel and then just kidding. OK, that was bad. Texas voters approve 10 billion energy fund with most going to gas fired power plants to stabilize the grid. Michael, I love me some Texas. Uh, I love having Texas license plates. I love sitting here in West Texas. Uh, by a two-thirds margin, voters in the Lone Star State Tuesday approved a con constitutional amendment by authorizing a new $10 billion energy fund to provide the low-interest loans to build gas-fired power plants. Wow! How awesome is that? There's another eight, $1.8 to support the development of microgrids and backup power for mm -hmm. critical facilities. This is smart. This is Texas doing it right again. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely doing it right. And again, when it comes down to it, what is the new electricity that's being built? Well, it's gas fire generation. And they say through reliable grid improvement. Can't do that with wind or solar. No, 
Uh, now, it's kind of we'd funny. be remiss to say if Texas, ironically, isn't the one of isn't one of the more advanced renewable energy states, which I think is fascinating to talk about because wind and solar are a great insurance program when it comes to backup power and grid and specifically backup power and what's known as dispatchable gen or is what's not non-dispatchable generation because dispatchable generation would be considered baseload, but it can be great with alongside great baseload energy. So again, Texas, they're doing it right in my opinion and going gas fired over rolling this out for new wind farms. Oh, I agree. And and I think this is going to be part of the thing that we're seeing, Michael. I've never seen this kind of activity with everybody around the world bailing on wind farms. I mean, it's wind is dead. Long live uh, natural gas. 